0: It's easy to look at this as a numbers problem, uh, X amount of loans, Y amount of legal jobs, but there are very real people being affected, uh, and many of them are the best and the brightest, uh, people who are incredibly intelligent and driven, but are caught in a system that is really putting their futures into question.
1: This is Lawyer to Lawyer, The award-winning legal podcast with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, West Coast meets East Coast, and yes, they are attorneys. Bringing you the latest legal news and observations every week with the leading experts in the legal profession. Produced right here on the Legal Talk Network.
2: Welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for joining us today. This is Bob Ambrogi coming to you from Massachusetts, where I write a blog called Law Sites and another blog called Media Law.
3: And this is Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. I write a legal blog called May It Please the Court. have a book out called How to Get Sued. Bob, we'd like to take this time to thank our sponsors, Clio, a web-based practice management software program for lawyers at goclio.com, SunTrust, who offers private wealth management solutions for attorneys and legal firms at suntrust.com slash law, and Firm Manager for LexisNexis at myfirmmanager.com slash ltn. Well, Bob, many law students across the nation are concerned about their potential future in the legal profession and are pushing for transparency in data reporting as it pertains to legal education. According to a Law.com article by Karen Sloan, 55 student Bar Association presidents wrote to a number of U.S. senators proposing legislation requiring the U.S. Department of Education to collect accurate graduate job information statistics from law schools.
2: Craig, in addition to... uh Student run organizations such as the uh, law school, such as Law School Transparency, uh, and, and uh, st- student associations at, at various law schools, including the Law Students Association at, at uh, my alma mater, Boston College Law School. Uh, in addition to those efforts, Senator Barbara Boxer, a Democrat from California, also weighed in, sending letters to American Bar Association President Stephen Zack in which she voiced her concern over a variety of issues uh, relating to auditing, of law school data, better regulation of how prospective students can access information and scholarship transparency. In her letter, Senator Boxer says, quote, more must be done to ensure potential students have a full understanding of the costs and benefits of a legal education. Senator Boxer also requested, uh, President Zach a detailed summary of reform plans uh, to be implemented um, he did, Stephen Zach uh, did respond to Senator Boxer uh, in his response uh, he wrote uh, Senator Boxer shares our concerns and we appreciate the ongoing dialogue we're having about the important issues of how law students finance their educations and learn about their employment prospects post graduation. We're glad the senator is encouraged and pleased by what the American Bar Association, and its Council on Legal Education have been doing. So what needs to be done in terms of transparency uh, about the prospects for law students? Uh, today on Lawyer to Lawyer, we'll take a look at the issues, uh, the role of the ABA and of the law schools, and at uh, law students' concerns about their future, and uh, and at the job market in general for law graduates. Well, Bob, to help us do
3: that, our first guest is Nate Burris. He's the president of the Law Students Association at Boston College Law School, leading the charge, so to speak. Nate has worked for the United States Senate Judiciary Committee and the Vermont Legislature, and congratulations are in order for him. As we understand, Nate is graduating from law school this month. Welcome to Lawyer
0: to Lawyer, Nate. Good afternoon. Good to be with you.
2: And joining us next is a returning guest to this program, uh, William D. Henderson, a professor at the Indiana University Moore School of Law, where he Focuses on the empirical analysis of legal labor markets spanning both law school and law firms, and more narrowly the development of human capital for legal service providers. Bill Henderson serves as director of the Center on the Global Legal Profession at Indiana University, uh, director of the Law Firms Working Group, a joint initiative of Indiana Law and the American Bar Foundation, uh, and uh, and is a research uh, associate. Uh, for the Law School Survey of Student Engagement. Uh, welcome to Lawyer to Lawyer, Bill Henderson. Great.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
2: And
3: Bob, for the record, ABA President Stephen Zach was unavailable for today's show because he's in Poland. The ABA staff also tried to get members from the section of legal education to appear on the program, but due to schedule conflicts, they were unable to participate. So we'll get to uh, Mr. Zach's statement, but let's start off the show, Nate, and uh, tell us about the bill that you've proposed and, and when— what got you to lead this charge uh, up this hill?
0: Certainly. Um, well, the proposed legislation essentially has two goals. Uh, first and foremost, to improve the accuracy of information reported by law schools. Uh, this was certainly called into question after the revelation at one particular school that average GPA and LSAT scores were knowingly falsified, and it wasn't discovered for quite some time, uh, which I think demonstrated that there really isn't a reliable mechanism in place to ensure the accuracy. Of much of the information reported. So, in short, the bill would require that each school uh, submit an annual report, much like those required by the SEC, and that the dean of each school endorse the report. Uh, But the real teeth of the legislation would be that Title IV federal funding would be tied to the submission and accuracy of these reports. Uh, There really are huge systemic incentives in place right now to push the numbers in the most favorable of directions. Uh, this would, in fact, create incentives in the other direction, towards truth. Um, And the second part of the bill, which aims to help prospective law students make more informed decisions about where or even whether to go to law school, uh, would require a breadth of post-graduation employment information. Um, Now, as to why I started the effort, the role of a law school student body president is admittedly quite modest, but as I talked to my classmates over the course of our three years together, I really saw this problem up close and in person. Uh, It's easy to look at this as a numbers problem, uh, X amount of loans, Y amount of legal jobs, but there are very real people being affected. um, And many of them are the best and the brightest, uh, people who are incredibly intelligent and driven, but are caught in a system that is really putting their futures into question. Uh, So there's really a need for uh, not only better information, but more information.
2: Bill Henderson, I'm wondering uh, what what your perspective is on this. I mean, I know, you know, BC Law School in particular gained some notoriety last year when when, when a student there, uh, I, I think he threatened to, to bring a, a lawsuit uh, uh, or demanded his money back, I guess it was, uh, over uh, the state of the job market and feeling he was kind of misled. Uh, is there, what do you, what, Bill, what do you think about this idea of sort of a, a full disclosure uh, bill for law students?
4: Uh, I actually, uh, uh, my colleague, and I, Annie Morris, we wrote an article in the National Tourist that actually tried to explain why the, um, the numbers that are reported for particularly postgraduate education are so um, unreliable. It really has to do with the interaction uh, uh, with uh, legal education's desire to, uh, to move up in the rankings. The rankings are highly influential for alumni, highly influential for students. And, uh, for basically just morale. And, uh, we concluded that ultimately, uh, that if the, unless the, uh, the law schools could get together with the ABA and really put forward a, uh, the kind of regimen or regime that Nate is talking about, the Congress should step in and basically do what Nate is proposing, uh, be done. So, so, uh, I see the world fairly close to, to the way Nate comes down on this.
2: Is there any precedent for this bill? I mean it, I I haven't heard about this kind of disclosure being requir- required in any kind of field of education. And is there something about uh, a legal education or about law school that uh, in particular calls for this? Is is it what you were just saying that the law schools have become so competitive uh, in terms of uh, their pursuit of rankings? Uh, what what is it that yeah. would require that?
4: The uh, I think you can really trace this back to uh, many many years ago. Uh, when, uh, the national law schools, the so called national law schools became the dominant model for uh, legal education. This is, these were, uh, mostly the Ivy League schools, but also Michigan and Chicago and, uh, and University of Virginia, a few other ones that be, that, that established their curriculum where you needed to have four years of undergraduate ed- education. And then you would go on to get a graduate degree initially with the LLB, which is an undergraduate degree, didn't require necessarily a undergraduate degree, got converted. To the JD degree, and that model was very influential for uh, uh, having prestigious business law firms hire their graduates. Eventually, through uh, the efforts of the ABA and the American Association of Students for Law Schools, that became uh, the dominant uh, model. And uh, ever since then, uh, that has been you know how we finance legal education. It's fairly expensive. It's a research uh, intensive. Uh, and uh, over a period of, of time, for one reason or another, uh, uh, the uh, we really haven't had much of a, uh, of, a, of, a of an actual um, la- you know vibrant la- labor market for quality legal education. The schools that were basically at the top of the food chain in 1930 or 1940 are still the same schools that are on top of the food chain. And uh, when the U- U.S. News rankings. Came out in the early 1990s. Lo and behold, those schools were at the top of the uh, of the rankings, and pretty much every uh, law faculty and every law dean has graduated from a top, say, ten or fifteen uh, law school. And uh, the uh, the law, you know, basically because because legal education employers seem to favor these top fifteen uh, law schools. Uh, every other law school wants to be just like it, and so it, the, this has really locked us into a situation. Where the uh, rankings become all important, and uh, in, in, in terms of driving up your 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 undergraduate GPA, your LSAT, your post employment outcomes, uh, your direct expenses, which is basically more expensive schools fare better in the rankings. So uh, that has really led to an arms race in the rankings that has jacked up the cost of legal education dramatically. And probably the thing that's holding it in place is that they're. A law school that, that, that tries to do a better job in terms of educating its students, that, 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 that takes the, uh, the, 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 the practicing bars, uh, a call, uh, to teach more practical skills. They're not rewarded in the labor market. Pretty much the, the most prestigious, highest paying jobs have, have continued to, uh, favor the top 10 or 15, uh, law schools. And it's really locked in a very expensive, uh, model. And it gets expressed by uh, law schools wanting to, uh, to uh, move up the rankings, but in vain, because let's face it, only 15 schools can be in the top 15. And, uh, and it has really locked us into a very painful, uh, uh arms race for rankings that, that leads to a lot of numbers manipulation. And, uh, and it also does contribute to the incredibly high cost. A legal education. The result is it's an expensive education where there's not a lot of information available to students like Nate to make intelligent decisions. The first significant uh, investment decision, which is the which is which is investing in their own human capital, they don't have good information right now.
3: Well, this really isn't news. I mean, it's at least not news to people that are in the profession that the highest-ranking law schools result in the highest. Uh, the best employment opportunities when they graduate. And, you know, in a little bit of an... I'm, and just to pick on Nate here a little bit, but a little bit of an investigation ahead of time talking to some lawyers would easily reveal that. Uh, so why do we need statistics to, to prove this, what we already know?
0: Certainly. Well, I think there is a huge discrepancy uh, between the numbers as reported uh, and the numbers as they truly are. Um, Professor Henderson mentioned this arms race. Uh, tuition rates are up over... uh, since 1985 at private schools, uh, 500% at public schools. And so there really are some very high stakes for students. Uh, The average graduate at a private law school um, is now incurring over $100,000 of debt um, and over $70,000 of debt at a public school. And that doesn't even include undergraduate debt. So if you put that into a context where uh, there's a legal job market, in which almost half of students are graduating without a job that will allow them to repay that debt, that's a real problem. Um, Overlaying that is a situation where many schools are reporting employment rates approaching 100% uh, and average salaries almost as high as $160,000 a year. Uh, So there's really a, a big discrepancy between those two situations.
2: I wonder if we should just take a moment to read this uh, statement that was submitted to us uh, from the ABA Section of of uh, Legal Education and and uh, President Zach. Uh, as I say, they 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 were uh, they would have liked to appear on the program today, as as Craig said earlier, and were not able to do it for scheduling reasons. But they did um, give us this statement. Let me just read it quickly. Um, it says that uh, in September two thousand and eight, the Council of the Section of The Council of the Section of Legal Education and Admissions to the Bar began a comprehensive review of the ABA standards and rules of procedure for the approval of law schools. The Council is relying on the work of its Standards Review Committee to complete this project, which has been open and transparent. Along the way, the Council has heard from a wide variety of constituencies in legal education, including deans of ABA-approved law schools, University presidents, state Supreme Court, chief justices, bar examining authorities and others interested in legal education. The statement goes on, for this reason, the process is quite lengthy. However, we believe it's necessary to hear from all interested parties. I, I guess that all boils down to the ABA saying they're they're working on this and they're looking at, at this. Uh, but whose responsibility ultimately is this? Is it up to the ABA? Is it up to Congress to to do something on a national level? Is it up to the law schools themselves? Nate, what's your answer to that?
0: Well, you previously mentioned that Senator Boxer had uh, written to President Zach, and I think that really was an important step, uh, demonstrated that Congress, uh, a body that ultimately has power to implement change if the ABA won't do so on its own, Uh, is indeed interested in this issue. Uh, So ultimately, I think what that letter says uh, to the ABA is exercise oversight or let someone else do it. Um, Now, the committee, uh, the Standards Review Committee, which has specifically been charged with looking into transparency, uh, as you mentioned, has been engaged in this review for the past three years. uh, And they stated that they'll continue with this review for at least one, uh, if not more years. Uh, So this is the committee that will decide what information must be published by law schools uh, on their own and in publications to uh, prospective students. Um, But four-plus years is is a long time. Uh, Imagine if President Obama had said, we've been looking into the financial crisis for three years, and we're going to need at least one more year, if not more, to come up with a solution. Uh, He'd be out of office pretty quick.
3: Well, Bill, what's the... What's the, the long and short of this here? I mean, law students, I mean, it, you know, law schools tell you that it's going to cost you $100,000. We all know that the economy is bad. And law schools or law students starting three years ago would have known that. So is this really necessary? Do we need uh, this other layer, what appears to be just another layer of information on what's, what already exists?
4: Well, uh, actually, I, I, I think that just because of the the, uh, the role that lawyers serve in society, uh, we need to have very clean hands, we at the law school level. And if you just look at the data that's submitted uh, to uh, U.S. News and World Report, particularly the employment uh, data, uh there's so many permutations that, that, that cause it to be uh, misleading. I mean, if you look at just the employed at nine months, it's very, very high. But in reality, if you unpack that, uh, there's a much smaller number. And we don't, nobody knows for sure exactly what it is, but we have reason to believe that it's much smaller uh, than, than, say, 98 or 99% full employment nine months out. Anybody who's managed to get through undergraduate and get through law school can figure out a way to get employed to pay the rent. But the most important question is did that three years and that $100,000 plus debt uh and uh enhance your human capital to the point where your earning power is at least equal to or 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 or, or greater than than uh than the actual cost that you've sunk uh into the uh, education and i think that the, we don't really have the numbers to run that calculus uh right now and that's really a, a shame and now the information is collected uh by an organization called nalp or the national association for law of placement at the at the school level uh, 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 it's never published at the school level, but it is collected. So, uh, one of the things that the ABA is considering doing is 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 uh, uh, mandating that every school report that level of information. Now, even if we do that, uh, uh, the information is still incomplete because it's because the uh, students uh, oftentimes withhold their salary data, uh, and and they, when we know by looking at the data that 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 those that are least likely to report are the ones that are making the lowest. Uh, salaries. So one piece of reform would be that if you've taken federal uh, uh, funding to uh, to finance your legal education, you're required to submit uh, information regarding your post employment, uh, uh, you know, status, including salary, so that there's a feedback loop. So we know exactly what the payoff is to three years and a hundred plus thousand dollars in legal education. Right now, that information is not available. In the marketplace, it's just not. It's very difficult to guess. You can do back of the envelope calculations, but why should this be the case? You know, this the the the, uh, the legal education establishment. We should have this information in the public domain.
2: I, one thing this uh, this discussion makes me wonder, though, in, in hearing uh, when you talk about sort of doing the calculus, uh, d- does that does that calculus uh, if we focus on uh, employment opportunities and and salary opportunities, do we negate out the, uh, the, factor, the, the sort of intangible factors of a, of a law school education. I mean, I, I think any of us who've been through a law school education would, would agree that, uh, you know, it's not just about the money. And, and in fact, for many people, going to law school at all is, is not just about the money. Uh, and uh, there are many people who go to law school and go into other careers and other fields and, and just find the training and the education they get to be valuable. So how, do, how does that factor in into what we're talking about here, Bill?
4: I completely agree with you that that, that uh, legal education is a wonderful education to have, and at twenty thousand dollars it's a bargain. At fifty thousand dollars it's a bargain, but at some uh, some uh, number north of that, it's going to vary by individual circumstances. It becomes a much riskier decision because you're you're indenturing yourself uh, to pay off a very large sum of uh, money and it may cause you to to pursue career paths that really don't. Uh, uh, fit your long-term interest or your long-term ability to contribute to, to society. Uh, I think personally that uh, that um, uh, a couple of things are 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 uh, are at play here. First of all, the government's pretty much taken over the loaning of the money for higher education. If you can get into an ABA-approved law school, you can get uh, um, monies subsidized by the federal government to pay all your tuition plus your living expenses. Uh, which could, in many cases, get you close to the $200,000 threshold, assuming you get no granted. Uh, uh, If the government is willing to underwrite that and you're 22 years old it's your first major investment decision, perhaps you're not well enough equipped to make that call on your own. But the government makes it so easy to get that far and ventured into debt. Again, it's the combination of the rapid increase in the cost of education with the intrinsic appeal, of legal education with the easy credit. I mean, this is kind of looks like the housing bubble all over again. It's no big deal when the when your average salary is a hundred thousand dollars a year and your debt is seventy five, but you start flipping those numbers and your starting salary is speculative fifty, forty thousand dollars and your debt is four times that much. It becomes a very um, a life altering uh, transaction for people that are 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 fairly naive. This is their first major. Investment decision, and the government—it just makes it too easy to make a bad, bad decision.
2: All right. Well, we need to take just a short break. Uh, Nate Burris, Bill Henderson, stay with us, and listeners, stay with us as well. We'll be right back.
5: Hi, my name is Kay Kenny from Legal Talk Network, and I'm joined by Jack Newton, president of Clio. Jack takes a look at the process of moving to the cloud. Now, how long does it take to move to the cloud, and is it a difficult process?
3: No. I, with most cloud computing providers, moving uh, your data into the cloud is something that takes just minutes, not hours or days to do. You can get signed up and running with most services in just a few minutes. And uh, even if you have an existing uh, a legacy set of data that you want to migrate to a, pr- a web-based practice management system like Clio, there's migration tools and migration services that we're able to offer to ease that process. So most firms can be up and running to the cloud in, less than, in the cloud in less than five minutes and can have their data imported uh, in a matter of hours or days.
5: We've been talking to Jack Newton, president of Clio. Thank you so much, Jack. Thank you.
3: And if you'd like to get more information on Clio, feel free to visit
6: www.goclio.com. That's G-O-C-L-I-O dot
1: has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC.
6: Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis. And they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com LTN. Someone's at the door. Don't answer it. Why not?
5: I'm listening to Legal Talk Network podcasts to get my CLE credit in West Legal Ed Center.
6: Oh, I need to do that too. Where do I find them?
5: It's easy. Just go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and pick a program for CLE, click on it, and start listening or go to WestLegalEdCenter.com and choose from any of the Legal Talk Network programs available for CLE. Perfect. I'll do that right now.
3: Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. Our guests today are Nate Burris, president of the Law Students Association at Boston College Law School, and William Henderson, a professor at Indiana University Marr School of Law. Well, Nate, the question that I've got in this whole process is, do you think that students would be making different decisions if they had more information? Have you talked to law students that say, well, if I'd have known I was going to have $100,000 and I wouldn't be able to find a job when I graduated, I never would have done this?
0: You know, it's always speculation, um, but I don't think there's anything wrong with more information or better information. Uh, This really is all about not just what's best for American law students, but I think the legal system as a whole. Um, Law schools really should be setting a high bar for integrity and truth and should be setting an example for the students that they educate. Um, More so, I think, with default rates increasing and increases in forbearances, uh, deferments, other indicators of financial distress, all of these rising, uh, and almost all of these students having federally guaranteed loans, Uh, this really is a burden on taxpayers as well, not just in terms of lost revenue, but also an unproductive use of human capital. Uh, I think society loses, too, uh, in the sense that many students who otherwise would be inclined to uh, participate in public service, public interest jobs, uh, serving society, uh, are forced out of that market um, and aren't able to take those jobs because of the debt they paid. So whether or not students would make uh, different decisions – I don't know, but I certainly don't think there's anything wrong with better information.
2: Nate, according to the National Law Journal article on this, you were uh, responsible for spearheading this uh, this group of 55 student Bar Association presidents uh, who wrote to uh, a number of U.S. senators uh, uh, about uh, proposing this legislation. Uh, there is also this group, uh, Law School Transparency, which I think is on online at LawSchoolTransparency.com, dot uh, com, which which is also pushing similar issues. So uh, help me understand what are the, what are the, what are the differences between what your uh, coalition is is seeking here and what uh, Law School Transparency is seeking.
0: Certainly. Uh, so I've talked to Law School Transparency on a number of occasions. Uh, we have a great working relationship, and we really view each other as carrying the same flag. Uh, I have to tip my hat to both Kyle and Patrick. They've really been trailblazers of this effort. Um, And so there really is uh, not a lot of difference between what we're calling for. Um, uh, Not much disagreement either. Uh, We're really on the same tier, and no one is saying my way or the highway. Um, I think they are focused mostly on uh, employment um, and the submission of added employment information. Uh, What this bill builds upon their effort and adds uh, is an attempt to gain not only accuracy, um, but also sort of independent auditing of this information. Um, so I think, you know, looking at our relationship, it, I think it's democracy at its finest. Uh, one person puts forward a proposal, uh, there's a discussion of the merits, improvements, and alterations are made. And I think that's what's going on here between us.
3: Are you getting any pushback from law schools, Nate? Or do you, is anybody out there saying, no, this isn't a good idea, or is everybody on the bandwagon?
0: You know, I think uh, many law school administrators in private uh, will say this is something that absolutely needs to happen. Um, You know, their professional interests, obviously, uh, are perhaps uh, aligned differently. Um, But I think everyone acknowledges that this is uh, something that needs to occur. Um, uh, You know, students, uh, I think, are certainly among them. I've received a number of uh, emails from students across the country that I've never even met just saying, you know, thank you for taking this on. This this needs to happen. Um, so I don't think anyone uh, is necessarily pushing back. I think uh, there really is a lot of interest in this issue.
3: Bill, let's say that we get this information out there and we're pursuing it and it's available a year or two or three from now. Will we have to have uh, somebody in place to analyze this data? I mean, it, you know, I can envision a chart that says, you know, here's the law school ranking, here's the the dollar amount you're going to spend, here's the likelihood of you getting a uh, a job as a consequence of coming out of this law school, and here's the likelihood of getting, you know, what the what the range is for this law school's graduates. Is is that really the kind of information we're looking for, and and how are we going to interpret it once we get it?
4: Ah, uh, you know, um, uh, I think that. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm not sure exactly how it would be uh, interpreted. Just to have it in the public domain, uh, I think that uh, uh, um, I think many many law schools w- would like to have this in the public domain. But for them to go first uh, and potentially risk their their U.S. News and World Report ranking, many many law school deans would welcome to have just one one rule that applies to everybody, where they know that everybody has to submit the same things according to the same accounting rules at the same time. Frankly, though, I do think that that when this information gets into the public domain and you compare particular law schools with one another, uh, you're going to find out that that some of them have such uh, bleak or spotty employment record that it would be foolish for a young person to take out a loan and go to that particular law school. And frankly, it may be foolish for the federal government to basically have the same uh, uh, financing policy to all law schools. So I think that this transparency may cause uh, creditors, the government being the principal one, uh, to to pause. And I think it would cause some of the uh, people that enroll in particular law schools to not enroll. And it could wipe out Uh, You know, a few dozen law schools, and frankly, uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the bottom tier of U.S. News and World Report. Frankly, there's some low-ranked law schools that do a wonderful job at preparing people for practice, but they just don't fare very well on the U.S. News and World Report metrics. On pure employment uh, outcomes, they could fare quite well. There'd be a lot of schools in the second, third, and fourth tier of U.S. News and World Report. They would look like a bad value proposition, and I think that the market would respond? Would it respond uh, uh, highly efficiently and rapidly? Uh, I'm a little skeptical because I don't think the consumers here are, 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 you know, this is their first major investment decision, and they're plagued with over-optimism bias, but that's not, that's no reason for us not to have the information in the public domain and not to have lots of, you know, caveats. This is the consumer protection information. Occasionally, a little bit of paternalism is advised, and I think that this is a situation where 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 we have enough experience to suggest that we should be a little bit paternalistic and keep people from um, from making dangerous decisions.
2: Could that kind of information help drive down tuition rates uh, if there's more competitive uh, yes. data out there? Yeah.
4: Absolutely. Uh, and this is what I'm talking about here. When you have better information in the marketplace, you can begin to break the stranglehold of uh, the national uh, law schools. With the U.S. News World Report uh, rankings, Students use that as a prediction of their future earning power. If, in fact, there is information in the public domain that goes to what students care about, which is their future employment options, you're going to see enrollment behavior that tracks the enrollment out or uh, tracks the post-graduation outcomes rather than the U.S. News and World Report uh, rankings. And price will definitely uh, be a factor in in, in, in those enrollment decisions. And so releasing this information in the marketplace could undercut U.S. News & World Report's stranglehold on student decision-making uh, behavior and, and ultimately ratchet down the price of a, a law school. Students will vote for their feet, and they'd rather have a, a, a great education that costs 80000 versus $120,000, and uh, especially if the employment outcomes are better at the $80,000 a year school. And so we could get a virtuous cycle moving in the opposite direction.
3: Well, gentlemen, we've reached the point in our program where it's time to wrap up and get your final thoughts, as well as your contact information for our listeners, should they want to reach out to you. Uh, Nate, we'll start with you. And if you could, um, give us a little bit of a preview on what you think this is going to do to the U.S. News & World Report ranking uh, criteria.
0: Certainly. Um, Well, I think an overarching question that remains uh, above all of this is, why does the ABA want this responsibility of data collection? Uh, it's burdensome. It's controversial. And the ABA really does some great work. Uh, it's diversity initiatives and uh, initiatives on civil liberties, the rule of law initiative. Uh, why not give this responsibility to another entity, uh, the Department of Education, uh, which has squarely within its mission the collection of data pertaining to American schools, uh, and let its, the ABA use its manpower for these other important initiatives? Um, in terms of what will happen with the U.S. News rankings, uh, you know, the added information can only help students, uh, as I had mentioned before, not only deciding whether to go to law school, but really where, uh, find out what school is best for them. So uh, ultimately, if more information is available, I think students will be able to find, uh, you know, more success in their future and find a match of a school uh, that really fits them quite well. Um, so thank you very much for having me on today. I very much appreciate it, uh, and I can be reached at nate.burris, Burris, at gmail.com.
3: Right, and Bill, uh, your final thoughts and your contact information for our listeners, please.
4: Yeah, I, I think what we have here is an enormous, uh, what's in law school speak, uh, an enormous collective action uh, problem. We're locked in a system where law schools uh, uh, have to engage in, in, in disreputable behavior in order to maintain their standing in the marketplace. And so no system like that can last for very long without undermining the very foundation of the legal uh, uh, profession. And uh, frankly, the ABA section of legal education admission, to the bar, has a huge number of legal educators on there. And I think that they're a little reluctant to pull the trigger uh, and basically, release all this information in the public domain, which will imperil the the the, the, the viability of many uh, law schools. I mean, it would basically lead to competition based upon employment-type outcomes. But frankly, that's in the social uh, interest, uh, and that's in that's in society's long-term uh, uh, interest. And I think that the, the the Department of Education is a perfectly logical body. Uh, to collect this information and basically take it out of the hands of, of, of the legal academy, uh, to, uh, to regulate these things and put it in the hands of a governmental body that collects data and feeds it back into the marketplace so that the market can begin to sort this out. So I think what needs doing is a fairly, uh, is, a, is definitely a step in the right direction. Unfortunately, I wish self-regulation had worked, but it looks like it's failed. Uh, for legal educators. And I can be reached at uh, w-i-h-e-n-d-e-r at indiana.edu and thanks for the opportunity to participate.
3: Well, thank you both for being on the show today. It's been a very interesting conversation. And for our listeners, remember now you can get CLE credit through West Legal Ed Center for listening to Select Legal Talk Network podcasts. You can go to legaltalknetwork.com and click on West Legal Ed Center. You can also find all of our shows here at the Legal Talk Network on iTunes.
2: Let me just add my thanks to our guests for being with us today, taking the time to be with us, and, and uh, in particular, let's, uh, let me congratulate Nate on his uh, graduation next week from law school and wish you the best in your career. Uh, thanks to both of you for being on the show.
0: Thanks. Thank you very
2: much. And Craig, we'll be back uh, next week.
0: Is that right? We will,
3: and we will be thinking of another great legal topic to cover. So when you want legal, think
2: lawyer to lawyer.
1: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. Every week, a new legal topic that you won't want to miss.